Hello, I'm Daniel. I'm a meditation teacher in Kansas City, and this is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. The teachings in this podcast are free of charge, but of course, if you feel compelled to make a donation, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes. Hello, today, the topic of this talk is refuge. Refuge. Refuge from samsara is really the topic of this talk. And I'm going to read to you a passage from the 37 Practices of a Bodhisattva. This is verse 7, and I'm going to comment on that. But this is about refuge from samsara. So we're going to talk about what these things mean. So I'm going to read to you the verse and then talk about it. Bound themselves in the prison of samsara... Whom are the gods able to protect? Therefore, it is the practice of the bodhisattvas to go for refuge in the three unfailing jewels. I'm going to read that again. Bound themselves in the prison of samsara, whom are the gods able to protect? Therefore, it is the practice of the bodhisattvas to go for refuge in the three unfailing jewels. So, first of all, Samsara means suffering, but actually samsara does not mean suffering. That is how the word is usually translated, and actually I don't like that very much. Samsara means that things are a little off. In life, things are a little off. The original connotations of the word samsara um, was an ox cart where one of the wheels doesn't work properly. And that's how I like to think about it. So when people say the Buddha taught that life is full of suffering, it's not really a clear picture of the message. I don't know about you, but to me, the word suffering brings all sorts of heavy connotations. When I hear that word, I think of my dad on his deathbed or someone being tortured or something. Life is not full of the kinds of things I picture when I hear the word suffering. You know, I think of getting your fingernails pulled out or getting waterboarded or something, right? Suffering sounds like a horrifying word. And people repeat that line, all of life is suffering, and that makes Buddhism sound very negative. So I want to posit that samsara does not mean suffering. As I said, it was originally described as like a cart with a messed up wheel, and I think we can think of it that way too. I don't really fundamentally know what an ox cart is, but I do know what a shopping cart is. So I like to use shopping carts as a metaphor. We've all had this experience where we go to the grocery store and we get a cart where we start shopping and we notice one of the wheels is just a little bit messed up. It sticks or it makes some sort of bump or it just doesn't move right. You know, so you're shopping along and boom, boom, you know, it can be really annoying, but usually it's also not bad enough that we would put the cart back and get another one. It's just bad enough to be annoying. And life is like that. Sometimes we feel like we've grabbed a cart where the wheel sticks really rarely. Other times we feel like we've grabbed a cart where all the wheels are sticking all the time and we can't even get through shopping and everything in between is part of our life experience. And that, that is samsara. That is samsara. So we are all 
every person in this situation where things are a little off sometimes. The world does not line up with our desires. We don't have all the things we want. We have consistently experiences we don't want to have. And really, when we're having a really good life experience, it's often a very short time. And there are also minor annoyances throughout, in addition to more serious problems in life that are inevitable. We're all going through this. And you would think that would bring us together, but it doesn't. You know, we get torn up and we get disharmony in life a lot of the time with others. And someone's not going to come save you. You have to save yourself. That's the part about whom are the worldly gods able to protect. You have to save yourself. You have to take steps for yourself. That's what that's that's about. Someone's not going to come help you. No one can and no one will. Not in a fundamental, lasting, permanent way, which is what we really crave. We have to help ourselves. So how do we help ourselves in this situation? In Buddhism, we talk about this concept of taking refuge. Taking refuge. We lean on what is called the three jewels. And I'm going to talk about what the three jewels are. The three jewels are the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And you may not be familiar with those words, so I'm going to explain them to you. The Buddha is the historical figure, Siddhartha Gautama, who discovered the path to awakening. We look to him as our inspiration. But the Buddha is also the nature of awakening that that exists within you. We are all Buddhas. We all have awakening as our true nature. And it's because of that that we can do what the Buddha did. We can walk this path and have the same insights that he had. It's a very important aspect of this. The Buddha was not an angel or a spirit or a god. He was a person like you and me. And because of that, we have the same potential for awakening that he had. So that's sort of another layer of inspiration is just recognizing that he was a person like you and me. He was not something different. He was not an alien. He was a person like you and me. The Dharma is the path that's been laid out. All of the Buddhist teachings are the Dharma. Ethical teachings, meditation instructions, philosophical teachings, life advice, all these things are the Dharma. Okay? And the Sangha is the community, the other people walking the path with us. So we take refuge in the teacher who is our inspiration, the teachings that came to us from him and others, and the community. And it's taught that we need all those things to really get to where we want to go. We should not be letting one of those three slide. Those are all important things to take refuge in, and they are great things to motivate us on our journey, on our growth journey. These are great things to help motivate us. There's a ceremony that can be done called refuge vows, where one formally makes the commitment to walk the Buddhist path. It's been said that this is where a person officially becomes a Buddhist. So unless you've taken, if you haven't taken these vows, you're just a person that's interested in Buddhism. 
maybe practicing Buddhism, but when you take the vows, you become a Buddhist. You become officially a Buddhist. I took refuge vows with Lama Chuck Stanford in 2011, and I was given the Buddhist name Kelsang Dakpa, which means fortune and fame. You can get a Buddhist name when you take refuge vows. Most most of the time when people take refuge vows, they're offered the chance to get a Buddhist name, which is kind of a neat thing. I don't go around going by Kelsang Dakpa ever, but that's my Buddhist name. It means fortune and fame. Taking these vows really motivated and inspired me on the path. I think that having a formal ceremony for things like that is meaningful to us as human beings. And subsequently, I would take Pradimoksha vows and Bodhisattva vows, which maybe we'll talk about at a later time. But I took three levels of vows with Lama Chuck Stanford. And at every level, it really motivated and inspired me. So I, I really recommend taking vows to anyone that's interested. So relying on the three jewels is how we grow it's how we get through samsara because samsara is inevitable, but the three jewels are like our support system on our spiritual journey, support system. And that's the way to think about these things, I think. So that's it for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen and have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.